Not medium joy, but great joy. Uh, That's the message that the angels brought to the shepherds. Uh, And I don't know about you, but uh, 2020 has brought a fair bit, its fair share of bad news, really, hasn't it? I mean, last summer it was uh, fires ravaging our country. Uh, Then, of course, it was the coronavirus with with all the uh, economic fallout from that high unemployment. Uh, And more recently, things have gone a bit south with China. I'm not sure if you'd noticed. Uh, There's been a fair bit of bad news, and that's just kind of globally. Uh, You may have experienced the same in your own life personally or family. Uh, So today I want to speak specifically to those who maybe have had a hard time in 2020, who've uh, been experiencing some bad news, Uh, because it's good for us to cap off 2020 with good news of great joy. It's good for us to finish uh, with the message of Christmas. And it's helpful to remember that uh, the original Christmas, uh, being in the Northern Hemisphere, was actually uh, in the middle of winter, when it was cold and dark, not uh, in the middle of summer, where it was bright and sunny. Uh, and so it was, it was actually dark in the original Christmas, and it was dark spiritually too. Uh, just before the reading that we had in chapter 1, verse 78, uh, it says this, uh, because of our God's merciful compassion, the dawn from on high will visit us to shine on those who live in darkness and the shadow of death. And so uh, the message of Christmas, the joy of Christmas, is brought into much sharper contrast when we consider this backdrop of darkness, both physical and spiritual darkness. Just like there are actually stars shining in the sky during daytime, but we can't see them until it becomes night. So the message of the angels came to the shepherds in the middle of the night, in darkness. And Jesus was born into darkness, both uh, physical, social, and political darkness. And I want to kind of set the stage for that with you a bit, because uh, in the first century, the Jews had lost everything. Uh, They'd lost their land. They lost it to a foreign power. That Their land now belonged to Rome. This was the land that God had promised to Abraham, and and they'd lost it. They were under a foreign power. They'd lost their king, God had promised uh, to King David that that there would be a king on the throne forever and ever, but they lost their king. If you saw the start of the reading, their king was Caesar. He wasn't their king. He was the king of Rome. They'd lost their king. They'd lost their land. Uh, They had to pay huge taxes to this foreign power that had overrun them. And to top it off, uh, this people who, who thought they were God's special possession hadn't heard from God for 400 years. He'd been completely silent. Uh, these were dark days. A bit different, actually, to, to Cottesloe. It can actually be hard for us to relate. Uh, but friends, you know, there are plenty of people in the world who can relate much more closely Millions of refugees who know exactly what it's like to lose your land, to lose your loved ones, to lose your home. For those who don't know, we have a sister church uh, called St. Philip's. In fact, two churches, one in Kenya uh, in the middle of a refugee camp and and one in South Sudan. Our brothers and sisters at St. Philip's in Calabay in South Sudan can relate much more closely to what it's like in the first Christmas 
the people God revealed himself to were, were not so much like people you meet uh, in Cottesloe. They, they didn't look like the people you meet in Cottesloe and they certainly didn't smell like the people you meet in Cottesloe. You, you've got to realise, friends, there was no running water back then. There was no running water and we're talking about shepherds, hard manual labour, looking after stinky sheep. Uh, we're talking about Mary and Joseph, no running water, making a 160-kilometre journey, not with a car, not with a Tesla, with a, with a donkey. 160 kilometres from Nazareth down to Jerusalem. You could almost smell them before you could see them. Uh, these are not like people that you see around here. And so it makes us hard for us to relate because there's such a big gap between us and them. And sometimes the hardest thing about suffering, I don't know if you've been through suffering in 2020, but sometimes the hardest thing about your suffering is when people can't relate. They just, they just don't get it. It makes you feel so alone. But friends, the good news of Christmas is that God can relate. This is the message, the central message of Christmas. God can relate. We've heard the story so many times that we take it for granted that God took on flesh. But friends, gods don't do that. The gods of Rome, the gods of Greek, the Eastern gods, the god of Islam, the god of Judaism, even the god of the Jews, this is unheard of. We've heard it so many times that, that we just take it for granted. But but it's unheard of. The Greek worldview into which Jesus was born, Greco-Rome, was this. Spirit is good and flesh is bad, right? The gods are spirit and humans are flesh. And that's bad. All the gods have to do is to stay clean, to stay good, and especially to stay away from flesh, because that's bad. And so what that means for us, what that worldview means, is that we're alone in our suffering. The gods won't come anywhere near. But Christianity absolutely smashes that worldview. It's unlike any other worldview. Uh, do you know the Latin word for flesh um, is carne? You know um, chili con carne? Uh, that, that's chili with meat, right? And so this word carne, it's, it's like a vulgar, Latin, brutish word, uh, which is what makes the incarnation so shocking. In carne, God in flesh, in meat. It's just an absolutely category-bursting idea. And do you know what that means? It means that we're not alone. Christmas means that God is not distant. God is not detached. God is with us. Do you know that's what Emmanuel means? Emmanuel means God with us. And so it was when God's people were trampled, beaten down, ready to give up, that the Son of Righteousness shone in their midst. Uh, it says it in verse 8, that, that the shepherds were watching their flocks by night, and the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and the angel said, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Not small joy, not medium joy, but great joy. Great joy. Uh, this little baby Jesus, he grew up and became a man. And, and a few chapters later in Luke chapter 4, he stood up in a, in a temple. Uh, and, and before the people, he said, God has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives 
and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who grieve, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes and the oil of gladness instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. That's what he came to do at Christmas. That's good news. God is with us. You know, there's, there's this uh, park in Ontario, in Canada. Uh, it has all these sculptures everywhere. So uh, there's a dinosaur sculpture and a, and a man riding a bicycle. Uh, there's there's a, uh, a child with his mum. There's sculptures everywhere. But, but these are no ordinary sculptures because they're actually made out of junk from the river that runs through the park. You see, what happens is that every year the council actually drains the river completely and invites people from the community to scour the river's muddy floor and clean up all the garbage out from the bottom of the river. So there's shopping carts and tyres and car bonnets, baby strollers, bikes, uh, there's urinals, there's plumbing, rakes, bottles, thousands of cans, and and they drain it all out covered in algae and Muck, and there's just mountains of rubbish. But instead of carting it all off to the rubbish tip to make it into landfill, what they do is they call all the artists, the sculptors, and they give each of them a pile of rubbish and commission them to make beauty out of junk. And so the sculptures end up scattered all around the park. Our friends... This is a picture of Christmas. This is a picture of the incarnation, of God becoming flesh. This is what he does. This is what he does with us and with our junk. He he takes the mess and he turns it into a masterpiece. You see, the other gods would just throw it on the dust heap of history, right? And or at least they just pick the creme de la creme, the top, and they just work with them. But see, see, our God. At Christmas, he turns it completely the reverse and upside down and he enters into the bottom, into the muck, into a stinky stable with with shepherds, right? That's where he enters and he turns that into a masterpiece. This is why it's good news of great joy. And he grew up, that little baby, and ultimately he went to a cross. And, And what the cross says is that the victim becomes the victor. That's good news, that the victim will become the victor. There is a happy ending. That's the story of Christmas, even with the most heinous evil and terrible injustice. The victim becomes the victor. Our philosopher Soren Kierkegaard once said, life has to be lived forwards, but it can only be understood backwards. You see, there's things that happen in our world, there's things that happen in our lives, there may be things happening to you right now that, that just don't make sense. You, you just don't understand. You, you can't see what the point is. But the message of Christmas is that he came to turn our mess into a masterpiece. And if we live long enough, if we go far enough, we'll look back on our lives and we'll see what God's up to. It's as if he's putting together a beautiful tapestry Uh, But we can only see what's underneath, and it's a mangled mess. That's all we can see. And if if we could only see from the top down, 
we'd see what a masterpiece he's making. And if we saw it, we'd understand that this is good news of great joy blowing your mind. You see, because that Jesus, he lived and he worked among us, among the sick and the sorrowful and the suffering to show us what God is like, to show us who he came for, to show us that God is love. And and he died on a cross to take all of the junk, all of the mess in the world and to swallow it into himself the mess, and to rise again, to make it go away. And then one day he promises that he'll come back. He's coming back to finish off the job, to finish and to bring us home. Friends, this is how the Bible says the story ends in Revelation, the last chapter. It says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Behold, I'm making all things new. Friends, that's how the story ends. This is good news of great joy. Not small joy, not medium joy, but great joy. So friends, this Christmas, I hope you'll enter the true spirit of Christmas, the truth of Christmas. I hope that you'll hold on, that you'll push through the sorrow and the sickness and the suffering, even as he holds on to you. And in the words of the angels to the shepherds, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of Bethlehem, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen.